And, you know, I had hard times. Uh, I lived on nothing, lived in a teepee for two and a half years in northern Colorado with a wood stove at 35 below. You know, I had hard times and um, I had some times of depression and I had times of alcoholism and, and drug addiction. All those things are my greatest teachers. But that's a very unique point of view, right? And that's the point of view that I try to bring to my clients, right? Is that everything that happens is a teacher. What's the lesson? Welcome to the Drew Perlman Show. Think of this podcast as the antidote to the fear, the noise, and the talking heads in the news. The show features an entertaining blend of ancient wisdom, empowering ideas, and cutting-edge, healthy living science to optimize your health and your life. All right, so let's dive in and get started. Today's guest on the show is Tommy Priester. Tommy is a clinical herbalist, the wellness counselor, and founder of Bear Medicine Holistic Services and Heart-Mind Integration Healing. He's a practicing clinical herbalist counselor since 1998 and he combines extensive knowledge of western herbalism shamanism spiritual healing aromatherapy holistic nutrition and ancient wisdom traditions from native american chinese and other cultures and, and we're going to dive into tommy and, and his work but uh first tommy welcome to the show today well thank you it's an honor to be here thank you so much so um for those of you, for those of the listeners who aren't familiar, I mean, obviously you do so many different things and I, and I want to unpack many of these different modalities that you, that you utilize, Tommy, but maybe just talk about your journey um, and, and your background. Cause I know you have, you have a lot of twists and turns regarding health and, and your path that brought you, that brought you to this point. And we'd love to hear a little bit about your, your journey here. Yeah. You know, it's a, <laughs> That could take an hour and a half or so, but uh, I'll, I'll try to give you the truncated version. Uh, so, it, you know, jeez, uh, I come from a, a very unconscious family. Um, uh, uh, both parents, um, you know, struggled. Um, both parents came from their own forms of uh, dysfunctional families and alcoholism and things and um, you know, so, you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up in a family that was really awake. My mom was a superhero, um, in the sense that, uh, she was five foot two and she was the first woman in the state of New Jersey to become the councilwoman at large of our town. Um, first woman in New Jersey to run for mayor. Um, and so she was really like a, a go-getter and she created her own business. She raised four kids by herself. So she was an amazing person. Uh, and she just died a year and a half ago um, after a COVID vaccine. Um, and um, so, you know, I, I had this dysfunctional background, which, um, you know, there was a lot of uh, internal trauma, internal uh, pain and suffering, if you will. And so that led to my own addictions. Um, and uh, I, I finally woke up um, about my addictions uh, in um, 1997. Um, but what 
drove me to wake up was uh, the loss of my left hand and forearm in an accident. Um, and uh, things were starting to um, starting to push my consciousness, trying to stretch my consciousness. I felt like spirit was trying to get me to realize the path that I was on was a path of self-destruction. <clears throat> I was a professional windsurfer um, for many years and built boards for pro sailors uh, all over the world and was really a rock star in my industry. And um, in 1992, I was helping my brother mow a lawn and the exhaust fumes from the lawnmower made me pass out. Uh, lawnmower took a circle, ran me over and amputated my left hand forearm. Um, dislocated my shoulder and uh, it stalled before it killed me. Uh, so uh, gifts, the gifts are, are abundant. Um, I still see that incident uh, as the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, uh, you know, it's, um, I, I can't say that I have a, a near death experience. I don't remember going out of my body or any of those kinds of things, but um, it was a game changer. Um, and one thing that was a game changer was when I woke up on the ground, uh, my, uh, my brother was over me and yelling and screaming in, in his own trauma around finding me engulfed by this lawnmower. Um, and, uh, but I woke up on the ground and in my consciousness was a very loud voice. Um, and it said, you're never allowed to go back to the life you've been leading. Um, and I feel like one of the luckiest people on the planet to be able to hear that voice. So many people have wake up calls, you know, but they never get the voice. They never realize that that wake up call was specific for them to change their life, change their path, you know, um, get clean from whatever addictions they had, start evolving their consciousness. Um, and that, that happened for me, but it still took me three or four years to get off of drugs and alcohol after that. Right. Mm. So, um, I knew that I couldn't be around anyone that knew me before. Um, so, uh, it took me six months to get over my injuries and finally get a prosthesis that would fit and all of that. And um, I went to Northern Colorado, um, uh, 15 miles north of <clears throat> 15 miles north of Steamboat Springs at a place called Hans Peak. And there at Hans Peak, um, I lived with a friend. Uh, she let me live on her land in a teepee um, who had a horse ranch. And she worked with disabled kids uh, teaching kids how to do equine therapy, and and, and um, I was a, a ranch hand. So I spent two years in Colorado trying to learn how to be with me again, mm. trying to learn how to be with this amazing gift of a prosthetic, um, learn how to use that prosthetic, learn how to ask for help again. So that's kind of, you know, the dramatic shift of my life. Um, and I've always had this tendency, I'm a nice guy, I'm, a, I'm mostly a happy guy, 
Um, I love people. Mostly people love me. Um, but um, I, I always have this tendency to want to help people. And I'm a really smart guy. Like I can look at virtually anything and figure out how to fix it. So I became a mechanic early on and I helped people with their cars and I was a really good mechanic and, you know, I, I helped lots of people with their cars and, and then I got into windsurfing and I helped people have fun. And so I like this theme of helping people throughout my life. Um, and then uh, when I had this dramatic accident, right? Uh, and this accident happened for me to wake up. Eight weeks after the accident, I had gangrene infection in the side of what was left of my arm, um, hundreds of stitches. And um, this gangrene infection wasn't being touched by medicine. No matter what I did, I, I, my nervous system was shutting down. At about eight weeks, I turned to my mom when I was down in Virginia doing my recovery at her farm. I said, Mom, I'm dying. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't believe in the way the medicine is. I don't believe in these chemical medicines. Um, uh, they, you, it's visible, Mom. They're killing me. And I said, I need you to take me to New York City. I, there's a there's a, a Chinese herbalist there named Nan Lu, um, which I heard about from one, my oldest brother, and um, I want to go see him. And my mom refused to take me, so I went and I took her keys to her pickup truck. I got in her pickup truck and I drove myself all the way to New Jersey. Um, I, my sister jumped in the pickup truck with me. We went to New York City and I went to see this this uh, Chinese herbalist, Chinese medicine healer. And he didn't speak English very well. And uh, he said, what do you want? And I started to unbandage my arm. And he, he was like, no, 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 don't do that. Um, and this guy, he looked at my face and he wrote in Chinese on a piece of paper. And he looked at my nails and he wrote and he looked at my eyes and he wrote he looked at my tongue and he wrote and he took my pulses and he wrote and he wrote down these prescriptions and he took me into a back room, which was floor to ceiling, uh, little drawers um, and and bags. And, you know, there, there had to be thousands of different herbs in that room. And he made 14 plastic bags full of herbs for me. And he said, okay, so you have to make one tea a day and you have to drink two cups of that tea. And the tea has to be cooked for at least two hours. So you start with a quart of tea or two quarts and you cook it all the way down to two cups. And I drank that tea. Within two days, there was new skin growing over that gangrene infection. Within a week, it was completely healed with a new vein going through the middle. I never saw healing like that in all of the years of stomach ulcers and high blood pressure and, you know, basic American diet hell. I never saw anything like that. So this was an, an amazing shift. And so I moved to Colorado and I did the spiritual healing and the soul searching I needed to do out there. And when I came back, 
I wanted to help people heal. Uh, so I started to go to school to become a naturopath. And it was going to take me eight years. I had all these prerequisites. I jumped into college um, and I started to, you know, do the school thing. And after a year and a half, I was miserable. And I realized that that just wasn't the path. So my sister and I got together and we started to research herb schools. And um, uh, I was still down in, in Virginia and there was a, an herbalist who had a local tea shop and she happened to be a friend of my mom's. And so I did my first apprenticeship with her and we studied herbs and she taught me how to make salves and, and creams and teas and you know all the different uh, things powders and bath salts and, you know, all the good stuff. And then I moved to New Jersey and um, I uh, found an herbalist named Gail Ulrich and um, Blazing Star Herbal Schools up in Shelburne Falls, Massachusetts. So I took her advanced herbal apprenticeship program and I met one of her teachers there, Margie Flint, and I took her um, very advanced uh, medical program with uh, um, five doctors and their fourth rotation of med school. Um, and then I met one of her teachers, Matthew Woods, and uh, studied with him, did a two-year practitioner's degree with him. And then I met um, all of their teachers, which was um, William Lasassier. And uh, I was able to be at William Lasassier's last class that he ever taught before he passed. Um, and so, you know, kind of going up this ladder of teachers um, and I became very proficient at all of those same skills that that Chinese herbalist used on me. And now for the past 17 or 18 years, I've been teaching these skills to other herbalists through the Boston School of Herbal Studies. Hmm. So that's sort of a quick version of my path. <laughs> yeah, well, that's great, Tommy. Uh, well, now we're out of time for the show. Um, no, just kidding, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, that was, that was, that was wonderful. Um, and uh, it, it really is amazing though, just to go back to that, to that injury or, you know, with the lawnmower, I mean, how it would seem so many people I, I would think many people would be bitter. Why me? That why me attitude. But you had like the reverse, like, as you said, the voice in your head. You can never go back. I mean, that's incredibly profound. I should be angry. Uh, had therapists come into the hospital room. I should be angry. I should be blaming my brother because it was his lawnmower. And, and I looked at everybody and I said, this was a gift. This was God giving me a gift. God looked at my life and said, and, and you know, whatever your belief of God is, I, I, you know, what, what, what I call God is, is spirit. Um, and spirit gave me this gift. And, and this is the way I look at life. And if people could get this, people could step out of the identity of victim. I look at life since my accident, since the accident happened for me, 
that nothing ever happens to us, that everything happens for us to learn and grow and evolve our consciousness. And that's actually what we're supposed to be doing here on the planet. And so many people get identified with that victimhood. And I knew when I was in the hospital, I knew if I went down that path, I wouldn't survive it. I knew it. And so I didn't. And I you know I had hard times. Uh, I lived on nothing, lived in a teepee for two and a half years in northern Colorado with a wood stove at 35 below. You know, I had hard times and um, I had some times of depression and I had times of alcoholism and, and drug addiction. All those things are my greatest teachers. Mm. But that's a very unique point of view, right? And that's the point of view that I try to bring to my clients, right? Is that everything that happens is a teacher. What's the lesson? Can we get to the other side of that victimization to heal that victimization and find the gifts? So, so Tommy, when someone comes to you with, with an illness or a sickness or, or whatever, I mean, obviously you bring in the herbalism but but it also seems to go much deeper too as well um you're talking about mindset heart i know that i know you 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 work with the heart mind integration integration healing but um talk about how you how you work with someone and all these layers because obviously the 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 illness may not just be physical maybe it's that's just a small part of it. But right. so when you, when you, when you, when someone comes in to see you, like, how do you, how do you explore all these different layers? Well, um, I'm a good chatty person. Uh, the very first thing I try to express to the clients that um, trust in me is that um, I'm not here to be their healer. And so my job is to give people their power back. Now, people have been victimized by medicine, failed by medicine, left out to hang and dry with Lyme disease and cancers and all kinds of chronic diseases. And medicine says, just here, take this pill, take this pill, take this pill. And they're dying and they're not getting better. Right. Their fatigue is getting worse. And and so, you know, my first thing I do is have that conversation. My job is to be a guide for you to heal your life. My job isn't to fix your life. My job isn't to be your healer. If I take on that cloak or that mantle of being the healer, my spiritual job is actually to fail you. Now, check that out, right, Drew? <laughs> this is amazing. This is how it works, right? We give our power to an authority. That authority's job is to fail us spiritually. That's a universal law, right? And if you look at your life or other people's lives where they, they put all their hopes on the guru, right? How many gurus have walked on their power and slept with all the women or all the people? Or, you know, it, like how many times has that got to repeat itself, right? And so we do the same thing with our politicians and we do the same things with our herbalists and our doctors, and we give our power away, right? 
So that's my first job is to have that conversation with people and help them to realize that all illness, even accidents, are driven by psycho-spiritual pain. If, if a whole society could understand this, we'd all be taking our power back in healing, right? It would be a magical, like, upheaval of healing. But, you know, most people get stuck in that identity, and here's why. And, and I have this conversation with people. So somebody comes and sits with me, and one of the first things we do together is I have them close their eyes. And I have them take a deep breath in through their nose into just their belly, and stretch their belly out. And I have them hold that breath for five seconds. And then I have them say inside their mind, I am a vibrant, radiant, sacred being of life. And I have them sit with that. And then I have them open their eyes and tell me, how did that feel? And most of the time people say, wow, I felt more space. I felt calmer, I felt more grounded, I felt more spiritually connected. But I mean, the list is very long. And every once in a while, somebody says, wow, I felt a part of myself push back. I felt skeptical, or a part of me felt skeptical. So I don't jump right into herbs with people because people are psycho-spiritual beings. If I just jump into herbs, we're just doing the allopathic approach. So I have to break through that allopathic mentality that virtually everybody has, um, especially when they've been failed by medicine again and again, um, and drop them into their heart. Now, now we're going right into heart, mind, integration, healing, because you can't get into your heart authentically if you're in the mindset of your trauma. If you're being driven by the part that feels victimized uh, and, and you go into your heart, the heart's gonna be in that state of victimization. So you need the authentic aspect of consciousness and the mind to be able to authentically drop into the heart consciousness. And we need the authentic aspects of the mind to help heal our personality parts that have been fractured by trauma and sent out into the shadows of our consciousness. And it's so simple. The, 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 um, the subconscious realm, it's, it's the healing of a personality part is so simple. It's so simplistic. It's really, truly elementary. And the subconscious is very vast. We have the spiritual realm and we have our own realm, right? Our own subconscious structure. And inside of our subconscious structure, we have the capacity to have at minimum or maximum, maybe a hundred personality parts, let's say, right? The average person without severe trauma has about 35 personality parts. The average person without major trauma. Right, that's you and me. That's that's the person that comes in for Lyme disease. That's that's everybody walking down the street. Right? We'll never meet somebody that doesn't have trauma and doesn't have personality parts trying to protect and defend 
those traumas. That's how the subconscious works. So in the heart-mind integration healing that I do with people, I help people start to understand that the gifts of healing aren't just physical. They're psycho-spiritual. And if the thing that's driving our illness is psycho-spiritual grief, right, for lung issues or psycho-spiritual anger for liver issues or fear for kidney issues and heart issues, right? Loss and grief for heart issues, right? So if we start to understand that these lost soul parts of ourselves are stuck in the past, they're stuck in that fragment of time and they don't know it. All they know is that's their reality. And they look through our iris at our experience as we walk in the world. And anything that even hints towards being something to trigger that original event, that part's PTSD takes over and we go into a PTSD response. And this is the thing that people don't understand about PTSD. There's a thousand levels of PTSD. The only PTSD we talk about in our society is the ones that are at the very top you know, really strong, horrible abuses, sexual abuses or horrible abuses at war where people, you know, watched people die or been responsible for killing or or been maimed themselves. Right. So, you know, we have to understand that these that the the light body of our consciousness is very fragile. Just not being held enough is a trauma to a child. A child witnessing, just witnessing the threat of violence from one person to another causes PTSD in that child that witnessed it. The violence never has to happen. Just the threat of violence can cause PTSD in a child that witnesses that threat. So we don't, as a culture, we're very asleep when it comes to what I'm talking about, right? And so you might want to ask me more about like how I came upon this information. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is what I'm most passionate about um, because this is what I see really help people transform their lives. Mm. And again, my job is to give people their power back to transform and heal. Mm. I'm just taking that in, Tommy. That's 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 great. This episode's sponsor is Microbiome Labs. For the last nine years, Microbiome Labs has been committed to advancing understanding of the human microbiome. They're at the helm of innovation, putting new formulations and technology in the hands of healthcare practitioners and patients. Among many other novel innovations, MBL can now help improve the gut-brain connection with their ZenBiome Cope and ZenBiome Sleep products. Maybe it's been a while since you've re-examined your probiotic choices, the science around the microbiome or novel solutions that are coming out every day. Microbiome Labs will be here at the forefront of science, continuing to pioneer health in this space. For more about this strain and other gut microbiome products, just visit microbiomelabs.com. 
And as a special bonus for the Drew Perlman Show listeners out there, receive 15% off your total order from Microbiome Labs by just using the discount code that is in the show notes. So, so, so you're most, most passionate about the heart-mind integration because you've seen it. I mean, would you say this is sort of, it, it seems the way you speak about it, this is core level healing. Like this is, this is yep. the core. This is, yep. <clears throat> and, and, you know, and, and just, what do you, what do you do? Well, <laughs> I got so many questions here, but, um, <laughs> you know, w- with someone who has experienced trauma, with someone who's just in pain, you know, obviously their heart is, is going to be somewhat, I would think somewhat buried, somewhat hidden. Um, and yeah. I wonder, I wonder how, how one gets through that for someone that's really in a lot of pain. So let's talk about physical pain, right? In less than three to five minutes, I can just through conversation and just through guided breathing, I can take someone from a 10 to a five, to a three, to a two in sensation. Just by helping that person disidentify from the pain and the identity of the body. So let, let's let's do a quick little thing. So um, uh, what was the uh, last time you felt frustrated or anxious? Probably about... 20 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So just close your eyes for a second and say out loud, I feel frustrated and notice what happens. I feel frustrated. Well, I feel maybe it, maybe it lessened a little bit by saying it out loud. Is that Maybe. And, and so close your eyes. I want you to say it differently. Okay. A part of me has been feeling frustrated. A part of me has been feeling frustrated. Now, what do you notice between those two? Well, I, I feel less when I, when, I, when I talk about a part of me feeling frustrated. I, I feel maybe... I feel it's not quite as strong. So are you actually the personality part that feels frustrated or are you a vibrant, radiant, sacred being of light? I'm a vibrant, radiant, sacred being of light. Right on. So when we say unwittingly in the English language, we use the word I, me, and my constant to express every aspect of our experience. And it's one of the core mistakes we make because when you identify with your experience, every personality part you have has no choice but to feel the totality of that suffering, right? Mm. And unfortunately, the English language, it's a little bit clunky to say a part of me, but is number one, thing that I teach my clients right up front is to, to stop identifying as their illness. Hmm. How many people come to me and they say, I am Lyme disease. I have Lyme disease. When you say I have an illness to the psycho-spiritual structure, it means I am the illness. 
that's dangerous, right? I have cancer. Or when people say my cancer or my Lyme disease or my elbow or I have a bad back or my bad back or my bad knee, these are identities to a dysfunction that can never get better if we stay identified as it. Hmm. So that's how I work with people to help them break the identity, right? And then I mix herbs and flower essences and psycho-spiritual HMI healing, heart-mind integration healing, um, as a, you know, a practice with people. So it's all mixed together in a presentation um, of me helping this person find their heart connection again. Not their heart connection to somebody else, their heart connection to their self mm. and to the divine, right? Whatever that is. And if we can give people tools to find their balance, no matter what's going on around them, to find their balance, that to me is the most important tool I could ever give to somebody, mm. right? Yeah, that's so profound. I mean, that's such a profound, like you, like you said, you know, a part of me is feeling anxious, worried, but not all of me. And that's, I mean, that that makes that can make all the difference right there. Wow, that's that's great, Tommy. Yeah, we're gonna have to. <laughs> there's so much. There's so much to talk about here. Um, yeah. This will probably have to be part one. But you know, I'd love to just dive in to some of the practices that you do every day that make you feel grounded. These are things you do every day to, feel, feel, to help you feel really grounded and alive. Well, that's a great question. Uh, so I do what I teach my clients. Um, I use a language, a part of me, um, even to myself inside my own head. I'll say, you know, a part of me feels scared right now or a part of me feels anxious or part of me is frustrated, you know, and that allows me instantaneously to be the witness of that part of myself. And I also go to bed doing that breathing exercise I taught you, and I'll do it five or 10 times before I, as I lay down, before I go to sleep and before I get out of bed in the morning, I also do it. Um, and it's and I'll do it many times throughout the day. It's incredibly grounding. What I love about that breathing exercise is it activates the vagus nerve. It takes you out of sympathetic fight flight response, puts you into parasympathetic mode, which means you're grounded and centered. That with a part of me language allows me to be grounded and centered and to witness what is going on in this physical body and these emotions in this physical body. So this all works off of one simple principle. So this body of yours, does it belong to you? Are you the body? No. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I think maybe I'm renting it. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, for, for, for a period of time. <laughs> um, well, so, if we consider the spirit, right? And most, mostly now there's a really good understanding that the spirit never dies. The spirit, soul, consciousness, that never dies, right? 
And so when the body dies, the spirit goes home to the divine, whatever that is. But the body goes back to the earth. So who does the body belong to? The body belongs to the earth. It's just a temporary place that's made out of minerals and vitamins and, and nutrients from the planet through another human body for this body, body to be birthed and be born. But if I say my body, I'm taking ownership over something that isn't actually mine. And when I identify with the body, I lose identity with self. Especially if I'm identifying with the body that's suffering, right? Hmm. My bad knee, my elbow hurts, right? My whatever, my illness, my Lyme disease. You know, these are very dangerous identities. So um, that's a, a big piece of the process with people is to help people come out of that place and realize that they're divine beings in this body here to have a human life. But why did they come here? Right. Did we come here to have fun? Well, maybe that could be part of it. Did we come here to learn how to love? Yes, that could be part of it. Did we come here to learn how to grieve? Absolutely. Did we come here to learn about anger? Absolutely. Did we come here to learn about betrayal? Mm -hmm. We came here to learn about being human. Because we can't do that in spirit. This is the only place we can do it. Right? So here we are as humans, except we have this English language that has the word I in front of everything we say. Right. Mm. And that pigeonholes us into this human experience and we start to identify with our suffering. Mm. So, Tommy, can you walk us through the breathing one more time for uh, yeah. any any sure. just the basic um, for anybody that wants to do it with you? So you can do this as, as many times as you want. Um, uh, and generally speaking, it works very quickly. Uh, so you just, uh, you know. Exhale, close your eyes, take a deep breath in through your nose, into just the belly. So you're stretching the belly out with a nice deep breath and then hold it for five seconds. And when you get ready to release that breath, you're gonna release it through tightly pursed lips, making a hissing sound, but you wanna release it as maybe twice as long on the exhale as the inhale. So, and as you do that, you always, always just be present to what's happening. So I always say it this way, be the witness. Don't be the body, don't be the brain, don't be the thoughts, be the witness. And in, in Buddhism, they see be the observer, right? In meditation, be the observer. That's what we're talking about, be the witness. Now, as the witness, if I'm the witness, I'm not the personality part that's suffering. Who's the witness? Right? Such a beautiful question. Who's the witness? Well, 
I am a vibrant, radiant, sacred being of light. I'm the witness. Self is the witness. Right? And so this is the promise of HMI. Um, I love this work so much. And I want to tell you where it came from. Um, the promise of this work is that as you heal, as you recover these lost soul parts and you bring them back into oneness and merge them back into essence, you bring more and more of your true consciousness to the party of life. Now, that's the only, like, that's the only thing I can, I can guarantee, right? Is you get to bring more and more of your true self to the party of life. When you bring more and more of your true self to the party of life, um, the things that have been buried in your life slowly start to percolate up to the surface for you to face. The more self you have, the more capable you are of facing these things that have been buried. And sometimes those things have been buried for lifetimes. Sometimes those things have been buried through our legacy burdens of our mother's side of the family or our father's side or both. Um, sometimes they're uh, attached spirits that have found compatible resonance in one of our parts suffering and they attach in. Um, so these are the sort of deeper shamanic perspectives. Being the witness, that is the goal. The more we're able to be the witness and a feeling comes up and we don't identify as and with that feeling, we witness it we can instantaneously meet the part of us that's, that's hurting, that's needing our help. So I do want to tell you where this came from. So um, I'm a, a studier of, uh, of cultures, mostly the Native American culture is my heart and soul. And um, in 1997, I got clean from drugs and alcohol because my brother had a severe heroin addiction the same brother that found me on the ground with the lawnmower on top of me. Go figure. Um, you know, he's blamed himself ever since that day. Um, and so <clears throat> I got clean and I went to this place called the Bridge to Recovery in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And it's the best money I've ever spent. Um, and I stayed there for eight weeks. And I was already clean before I went there. I had three months clean in uh, AA. And I went there and they taught me all the causes of addiction. They didn't teach me anything about the addiction. They taught me what causes addiction. So what do you think causes addiction? I would say pain. Yes. Awesome. Psycho, spiritual and physical pain, right? Addiction is a personality part that's a manager in our subconscious structure. And that manager uses whatever tools it can figure out to medicate the past or the present. If alcohol happens to be a tool that works for that manager, that manager becomes addicted to that tool. The whole personality is not addicted. The manager is. I wish I could get the whole world to, to understand this perspective on addiction because we we blame the addicts in our culture. We shame them. They have so much shame and guilt 
that they then have to get over those traumas, right? And so back to where this came from. So I went to this place called The Bridge and they helped me learn the driving force of addiction. So I have been clean now 26 years as of January 21st. Um, so that's amazing. Um, I started drinking and drugging at 11. Grew up in really harsh neighborhood in New Jersey. The town I grew up in, many people, like many of my friends, suicides, alcohol deaths, drug deaths, deaths. I mean, just really, really intense. So when I became an herbalist, I also had a fascination for uh, shamanism. And so in my shamanism studies, um, I studied with this guy, um, Larry Peters. He no longer teaches shamanism, but he taught the art of um, Tibetan shamanism. And I fell in love with that modality of shamanism. So I incorporated some of that into the work that I did. Now, it's kind of an interesting thing. I don't call myself a shaman because I don't want the mantle. I do shamanic healing, but I don't identify as a shaman. I don't identify as a healer. I more, mostly identify as a wellness coach, right? And an herbalist. So along the way, I realized that um, herbs were really great. And herbs didn't get to the psycho-spiritual traumas. They got to the physical stuff. But the psycho-spiritual traumas were driving the physical stuff. And so people would take the herbs, they would get better, and then they would revert to their lifestyle uh, because of their traumas and their managers driving their addictions, and they would cycle back and everything would just come back. And I realized herbs are palliative, so I studied flower essences. And flower essences are amazing, like magical medicine. And... I also realized that they didn't get to the core issues of psycho-spiritual traumas. So I started to pray. And I was in this seven-year uh, or eight-year experience with the Native American community where we did vision questing and we did um, uh, sun dancing. I'm not sure if you're familiar with these things, um, but the vision quest is four days in the wilderness, no food, no water, uh, prayer only. Um, you get a little sip of tea every day around 12 o'clock. Um, and you're in prayer 24 seven. And the Sundance is you get together with this huge community of people um, and you dance uh, in a Sundance all day, every day, no food, no water um, for four days in prayer. And it's the most amazing experience of my life. Um, my prayer has always been the same thing. Spirit, what are my gifts to truly bring healing and empowerment to others for their healing process? And on my second vision quest, I got this download of information. And I didn't have any place to write it. And I didn't want to forget any of it. I also was given a song from a wolf spirit. Um, and the only thing I had was a tobacco tin and my knife. 
So I scratched these teachings into the tobacco tin with my knife blade. Um, and I brought the teachings back to my clients. So I'm an herbalist and I'm a flower essence practitioner. I bring these teachings to my clients and I ask them, would you be open to experimenting with me? And we had these profound experiences. The very first person I sat with was this woman. She was a massage therapist and cranial sacral therapist. The very first person. It was unbelievable. Um, no, it was truly believable. Um, I, I got her to go into meditation. I guided her into her heart um, using these tools. And we were instantly catapulted to a past life. Now, I don't guide somebody. They guide me. So here we are being catapulted into this past life. Now, I had no idea that this was what was going to happen. And this woman was a healer. She was an herbalist in a past life. And this is back in like the 1400s. And she was killed by her three best friends because of the Inquisition and all of that style stuff that happened with Christianity back then. And she was murdered and thrown face down into a river. And we met that part of herself. And we brought that part of herself back to life, healed her and brought her back to life using these tools that Spirit gave me. We then said, okay, can you let go of this past life? She said, yes. We brought her into the present moment. Except I didn't know this was going to happen. Those three people that murdered her all, the show, all of a sudden showed up in what I call her heart chamber in the present moment. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> you guys aren't supposed to be here. So I learned in spirit when I got these gifts, if you have anything you don't understand, ask and the truth will come out. So I asked her to ask these people, so why are you here? And they said, because you have to forgive us. And she said, I can't forgive you. You murdered me. And I said, oh, okay, here's where our work is. So I spent time with her healing that part of herself, letting go of the trauma, healing the belief structure and all of that to the point where she was able to consider the idea of forgiving them. Then I had her realize that these three people were also traumatized beings that the act of killing her was done because of their fear and their traumas because of what they were believing by an abusive religious structure. So we addressed the trauma that they had. They got to release their traumas. She got to release her traumas. Then they asked her, please forgive us. She forgave them. And they all went home to spirit. Now, their spirit essence is in spirit waiting for them to come home. These are soul fragments. These are personality parts that got stuck in that past life. This is what we call ghosts, right? Hmm. Now, these personality parts that are stuck in that past life, they don't know they're stuck. All they know is their experience of suffering. 
right? And their experience of suffering has something to do with her death because they murdered her. None of them can go home to spirit ever until somebody comes back to this fragment of time and helps heal what happened. It's called a karmic knot. Hmm. That's fascinating. <laughs> I've never found anyone in any shamanic circle that can explain this to me the way I just explained it to you. <laughs> now, in shamanism, my job is to heal my part. My job is to leave my body, heal my client, excuse me. My job is to heal my body, uh, leave my body. I go into their subconscious structure. Now, that is putting myself on a mantle. My, I become the pedestalized being as the shaman. I become the healer, and I take their power from them. They sacrifice it over to me willingly, even pay me to do it, right? What was my spiritual job? To fail them. If I allow someone to put me on a pedestal, my job is to let them down when they most need my help. Right? That's a spiritual law of this universe that we live in. Nobody knows it, right? So we unwittingly put our power in our, and we're taught this, right? In our structure, our family systems, and our cultural systems, we're taught to give our power to the authorities. These authorities are supposed to be empowering us. Our parents are supposed to be empowering us, not us seeing them as the authority, right? They're supposed to empower us to be our own authority. And if we walked in that way, not in the ego, but in self as our own authority, right? This world would be so different. So oh different. Well, I, I can already tell I'm going to I'm going to go have back and have to listen to this episode 25 times to get all this, <laughs> to get all this, because there's so much there's so much here, um, Tommy. And uh, this has been wonderful. I know we're going to have to do a part part two maybe part three and four um but uh this was this was wonderful you know what final question um just sort of a, as a rapid fire here if if you could offer some words of wisdom to your younger self maybe like uh you know your your 10 year old self um what what words of wisdom if he was here sitting with you what what might you tell him well number one is <clears throat> don't drink and drug um don't go down that path uh, you'll wake up a lot sooner if you don't. Um, and um, realize that you are a being of light. That you are divine. You're, 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 you are a, a, uh, a light fragment of the divine in human form. And um, if you can realize that, your life's going to be a lot easier in the beginning. Tommy, where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and your work? Where, where should they go to find you? Well, I have a website, which is uh, bearmedicineholisticservices.com. And, um, uh, you know, uh, on my website, it's my phone number and my email. Um, I also am um, a 17, 18-year veteran teacher 
on the staff of uh, educators at the Boston School of Verbal Studies. And I do want to put in a plug for the, the school. It's an amazing um, school. And we take people from total novices all the way to practitioners. We have three, um, three programs. We bring in uh, guest herbalists from all around the country uh, to uh, help our herbalists get a, a broader perspective view on uh, healing and herbs. Um, and, um, you know, if people want to experience some of the things I have to offer, I have a bunch of free stuff. Being that the community has supported me for 20 plus years, uh, in uh, March of 2020, I set up a free herbal forum. It's every Friday morning at 10.30 to 11.30. Um, if people go to my website, they can just jump on. And uh, it's for all walks of life. You don't have to be an herbalist. Come there and um, you know learn. I bring a, a topic each week. Uh, people online ask a bunch of questions. Uh, we have a raise hands policy. People just raise their hand and ask a question. I also do, uh, uh, I guide people in uh, the heart, mind integration healing class, which is the fourth Thursday night of every month. And I also, I didn't talk about this part of the healing process at all, but I'd love to go deeper into this. Um, probably one of the most um, prominent things that is the biggest hurdle, and I would say it's upwards of 90%, maybe even 95% of every person who has any illness, any chronic illness, uh, upwards of 95% of those people have parasites of one form or another. And so I have a parasite cleansing group and we meet the uh, first and third Thursday night of every month, uh, 6.30 to 7.30. And it's a free forum. Uh, anybody who wants to learn how to uh, clear parasites and heal from parasite infestations. Um, now, the cool thing about parasites is they attach to our trauma. So healing parasite infestations also allows us to get closer to the parts of us that need our help. Mm. So all fascinating stuff. I'm, I'm, I really am touched that you reached out to me and uh, uh, that Joan sent you my way. Um, yes. Yeah, my, one of my dear friends, Joan, uh, a listener and a good friend, uh, is a huge fan of Tommy's and connected me with Tommy. So, uh, yeah, I think this is just the beginning, Tommy. So this was great to uh, connect with you and uh, look forward to many more conversations with you. Yeah, likewise. And, and if you ever want to meet in person um, or do an interview in person, since you're close by, we could set it up that way. I have a really nice big living room where you can come and oh, hang out. I would, oh, I'm, I'm, on, I'm all over that. Yeah, absolutely. I can see Tommy's his space here in the background and all his, the tinctures and uh, it looks amazing um, there. So, uh, yeah, I would love to love to do that. Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much. And we'll put everything in the show notes. So um, people that want to visit um, and connect with Tommy, you can do that. But uh, Tommy, thank you so much. Thank you, Drew. It's my pleasure and an honor to be able to share time with you. Thank you for listening to the Drew Perlman Show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. 
In the words of Mark Twain, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, and catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, discover, and stay well, everyone.